0: This podcast is presented by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at www.uctv.tv. Enjoy the presentation.
1: I'm Nicole Biggert. I'm the dean of the Graduate School of Management, and I am absolutely delighted to, to welcome you uh, here. Um, Happy New Year. This is a, uh, yeah, Happy New Year. 2008 is going to be a great year. i um, I'm feeling really good about it um, it's uh, It's a stormy night, but we have a fireplace. We have uh, the warmth of uh, friendship and uh, and I'm looking forward to a very uh, a very nice evening with you all. Um, uh, before we get started, I want to thank the sponsor of our event um, this This event is one of the things that we do with and for. Our business partners, uh, members of the business community, who support us financially—they support us in lots of ways. Uh, help us, uh, help us figure out what we should be doing. Um, and this is one. This is one of the ways in which we uh, we interact with each other. We. We like being the place where business people come and meet other business people, as well as our students and our staff and um, and uh, faculty. So, uh, but uh, the the sponsor of this event is uh, Capital Public Radio, one of our business partners, and I want to uh, I want to thank them for their uh, ongoing support of management education, as well as our other business partners who are here who, who have uh, who also support us in lots of ways. So, thank you. Um, we are fortunate tonight uh, to have a local entrepreneur, someone who uh, dreamed really big dreams and uh, really and take some really big risks, but have really made those uh, those risks pay off and dreams come make those dreams come true. He's uh, he's I've heard him speak before. He's an inspirational person, but he's a great speaker. He's able to articulate that, and so I'm I'm really delighted uh, that he uh, th- that he is here. But before I introduce him, I want to. Um, To recognize some people, Uh, one of my close partners on this campus is Barry Klein, who is the Vice Chancellor of Research. Barry's right there. Uh, Yeah, you. As I'm very happy to brag for Barry, UC Davis brings in. More than a half a billion dollars of research money, um, in, in part because we have fantastic faculty solving some of the great problems of our, our world, and also because of the tremendous organization of Barry's office and, uh, and helping, helping support our, our research uh, efforts. Um, it's a very important role. Um, and I'd like to acknowledge uh, three members of our Dean's Advisory Council Bob Medeiros, Gary Orr, And Judd Riggs, who are here, who support us. Gary, there. Yeah. There's Bob back there. Yeah. And uh, okay. And Judd is here, too, someplace. Where is Judd? Slipped out. Oh, no, there he is. He's hiding. Okay. He's he's hiding behind uh, Roberta. Okay. Um, And many of you were uh, with us uh, just about a month ago. Right outside. These were actually in here, in part, where we had the groundbreaking for our brand-new uh, Graduate School of Management building. It was a phenomenal experience if you were able to um, if you're able to join us. And last night, I, w- I sat down to watch uh, Antiques Roadshow on KVIE, and there was our groundbreaking. It was a <laughs> it was it was wonderful, um, and I got all excited again. Um, it was a really exciting event, the largest number of people ever to come to UC Davis groundbreaking. Um, Bigger than the Mandavi Center, it was a fabulous event. Balloons, champagne, uh, big equipment, just lots of fun. And we had a we had a yeah big toys, uh, really really great time. I mean I think there are a lot of people in our community who really want to see us be successful, to to be part of what makes um, our community. Uh, economically vibrant and that building is going to make a huge difference it's going to create visibility for all of us and and, and all of the things that we do here in our local economy so we're excited um the uh the uh the building will open uh you know assuming no um no, no major earthquakes or you know unforeseen events um in fall of 2009 and we are um, so we that's very soon it's going to be uh it's coming very quickly it's going to be a very nice building and uh, right across from the mandavi center so we'll have we'll have a we'll have a a nice little party and then we'll all go uh, in our building and then we'll go across the way to um see something at the mandavi center it'll be fabulous facility for all of us to enjoy so very excited um, it, it's may and I do want to acknowledge the the very generous donation of of uh, Maury and Marsha Gallagher, who gave us ten million dollars to uh, to really complete this uh, this gift and and also to many other people, some of whom are in this room who are contributing to this uh, this great new facility so thank you to Maury and Marsha, and thank you to those of you who are um, who have pledged uh, support to to this new building. Um, one of the way we have sort of a little corporate logo, and you can see it there, corporate. To we act corporate-like. It says Ideas into Action on the bottom of that. And this, this evening, the event that we're having this evening is one of the ways in which we, we support the idea that we, we take ideas, um, ideas of, uh, from some of the founding, prin- founding principles of business, uh, ideas uh, about um, uh, financial analyses, marketing, um, and we, but we put them into action. We don't just we don't just teach in the classroom. We send our students out, and we bring people in to, um, into our into our community. And tonight is one of those times where we we are inspired by somebody who's bringing something in, so we can see how ideas are actually put into action. Um, I'm really honored to introduce uh, Dale Carlson, who is our speaker tonight, and very much a local uh, uh, local hero. Not only a local hero, he's a he's a um, uh, he's a a West Coast hero, probably going to take over for the rest of the country if you just keep, keep it up. Your bankers are here. They're really happy to know about this. <laughs> keep going, Dale. <laughs> um, he is the founder, president, and chief executive officer of The Sleep Train, which is headquartered here in Sacramento. Uh, he's got a great story to, uh, to share. I've heard it in short version, um, but it's a terrific story. Uh, Just after a year, uh, a year after graduating from Sac State, he opened his first Sleep Train store in 1985 in Sacramento. 22 years later, uh, um, with lots of, I know um, uh, lots of stories uh, in those 22 years, Sleep, uh, Sleep Train is one of the nation's top three mattress retailers. And when you think Just about everybody has a mattress. That's huge. Um, And it's the largest on the West Coast with more than 220 locations. Um, There are a lot of really bad things I could say, like this is not a sleepy business or, uh, uh, you know, it's a king size business or whatever. But I think I I will... uh, Go, <laughs> um, but but Sleep Train continues a, 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 a very aggressive aggr- uh, acquisition uh, uh, process. Uh, they've acquired mattress discounters West and Sleep Country uh, USA. Um, and I also want to mention that Dale has a very strong commitment to um, to to philanthropy and to the communities in which he does business, which I think um, should be noted. Um, his Personal philanthropy um, and Sleep Train's giving programs uh, over the past twenty years have been very widely recognized. I think it's um, it, it, it. I think it's especially wonderful that he, every year he donates uh, forty five hundred hundred mattress sets to needy families. He's uh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, He's an active uh, leader in the business community. Uh, he's involved with uh, Junior Achievement. On the, uh, he serves on the board of the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Sacramento and uh, Cal State Sacramento School of Business Advisory Board. So he gives back in lots of ways. And two years ago, the Sacramento Metro Chamber uh, uh, honored Dale as Businessman of the Year, so he's recognized by his peers for, for what he does. Also, and this evening, um, he said that he's going to talk to us about his journey as a as an entrepreneur and some of the keys to success that uh, he's learned uh, in the in this journey. So please uh, help me in welcoming Dale Carlson.
0: Nice to be here. Thanks for braving the weather. Um, when I was given the dates to choose, I looked at the calendar and said, "Okay, January in Sacramento." It's sure to rain. Nobody will come. I'll take that date. But you all came out anyway, so thanks for braving uh, the weather to come out to hear my little story. Um, what I'd like to do, if it's okay, is just share a little bit about the history of our company, kind of where I, I've come from, what, what we've done. And then i really like to open it up to questions, because that way I can answer the questions that you want to know about what we've done and some of our principles and some of the things that have, have helped us build the company. Um, so that work ready? Okay. Um, Some of you might have heard this story in various parts, um, but so I apologize for that. But I started, I went to Sacramento State, yes, that other campus down the road. But as I said, I I am a um, Davis in-law, because my wife went to UC Davis. So I you know, (laughs) we always have a constant battle when the Causeway Classic comes up, but we haven't been doing so well lately, so we don't talk about it much. I try to avoid it. Anyway, I went to Sacramento State, got a job at a mattress manufacturing company, as a flunky, and answering the phone, uh, taking the garbage out, um, just doing what I need to do. They joke it's m- it was my beer and gas job. When I went to school, um, so but it's the owners were, were a couple that had bought the business, and they really took me under their wings. They kind of showed me the business from the inside out. I learned you know how the business worked. I actually went on the factory and learned to make mattresses. Um, the owner finally offered me a job as a salesman. He said, "Okay, can you go to school Tuesday and Thursday, and you can sell Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and go out and sell to the retail stores. I thought, oh, that'd be great. It beats uh, taking the garbage out, so we'll do that. Um, So I went out, did that, enjoyed that. But my degree was in real estate finance and insurance. I wanted to be a commercial real estate broker. Sacramento was on fire, as it always is, growing, 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 wanted to do commercial real estate. Interviewed with a couple of the real estate houses and got two job offers. Um, but as you know, the first two years of real estate, you got to pay your dues, right? And I have no problem paying my dues. Um, you got to work your way up, and that was no problem with that. But at the same time, my boss came to me and offered me a job as his sales manager. And I thought, that's a great job. I'm 23, a sales manager. That's a, a great job. But I don't want to sell mattresses the rest of my life. I really want to do this real estate stuff. So I went to the real estate guys and said, can you help me out? You know, he's offering me 30 grand a year, you're offering me 12 grand a year. He's offering vacation, no vacation. He's got medical benefits, no medical benefits. And most importantly, he's offering me a sports car, it's a company car, and I'm young and single, and you're not offering anything. So <laughs> all I really wanted was for him to give a, come up to 15 grand, so I was only taking half pay. And the guy did the best favor ever, and I wish I knew who he was, because I owe him a huge debt of gratitude. But he said, I'll do you one better, go to work for them for two years, come back, I'll hire you on as a broker, because." You just need the outside sales experience. I go, hey, best of both worlds. I get the money, I get the car, and I get to do the real estate. But in the process of going in and out of all the stores from Visalia to the Oregon border in the middle of nowhere Nevada, I got tired of giving my ideas and having people saying, great idea, great idea, and never doing it. So you know, simple things. Like you go into the store, and all the beds would be in, mat- in bags because they didn't want to waste the inventory. If they took it out of the bag, then they had to sell it as used. But if they kept it in the bag, they could sell it as new. Who here would want to lay down on a mattress in a bag in the store? No one, right? They weren't selling much, very many mattresses, and they couldn't figure out why. They so said, take it out of the bag. No, no, we don't want to do that. Or advertising. The mattress business has a lot of co-op advertising. The factories will give you money to advertise. And so I'd go to them and say, OK, I'm going to pay half your ad. You just got to run an ad. Oh, no, no, no. Advertising doesn't work. I don't want to do that. Okay, let me say this again. I'm going to pay half of it, so it should work for you. They won't do it. So I got tired of doing that and um, finally went to my dad and said, "You know, this is not that hard of business." My dad was a CPA. Um, I said, "You yeah, know, I want to open my own store." He said, "Don't do it. Don't do it. Small businesses fail, right, Gary? Small, <laughs> Small businesses fail. Don't do it. Stick with what you know. Maybe you can get some ownership of the mattress factory." Or go do your real estate stuff, but don't don't go into business for yourself. Well, fortunately for me, my stepmom won a trip on the radio to London. My parents had never been out of the country. They took their first trip ever out of the country. In that two-week period, I bought a truck, leased some space, and quit my job. I was a little afraid of my father. I admit it. (laughs) My dad came back. He wasn't uh, quite sure what to do with his son and make this big blunder. But he said, you know, like all fathers did, well, you know you're on your own. I go, yeah, I kind of figured that was true. But he said, well, I'll give you one piece of advice. And that's if you want to be successful, surround yourself with good people, treat them right, and make everybody successful. And that's really what the core principle and factor of the success of our company is. I am blessed to work day in and day out with some of the greatest people around. They are so energized. They are so caring about the customer, about their coworkers about what we're trying to do in our community, it's just a a phenomenal thing. So that's really the crux of where we got to where we are. But we had to go through some hills to get there. Gary's been with me on a few of them. Um, And uh, you know, I opened the first store, and let's see, it took me 15 days to sell my first uh, sale. And it was a bed frame for $14.95. And I had 15 more days to pay a $1,200 rent payment and I didn't have any money to do that because unlike what you learn when you actually go to, you know, management class school and you can learn that you should actually have a proper backing and financial wherewithal to do it, I didn't have that. I had taken out a household finance loan at 22.95% interest on the house that I had bought when I was going to college. I bought a house, had a mortgage payment with all, all included for $599, had two roommates paying $250 a month in rent. It's a good deal. I had a $99 a month uh, payment, but I had bought it out of a divorce, so I was able to get it for undermarket, so I had some money in there. But at 22.95 interest, it's a little hard to pay back. Kind of like my loan now. But, no. (laughs) Um, No. Um, I I did obviously pay that uh, loan off, but I opened up, and it took, it was not doing well. About eight months into it, um, it was stru- I was struggling. It was tough. Because I'm the real estate guru, right? That's what I wanted to be. What's the number one real estate rule? Location, 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 right? Well, when you're 23, location, 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 somewhere close to your house, someone that will lease to you, and rent you can afford. Not necessarily the right combination for a mattress store. So I chose a location next to the flea market on Folsom Boulevard because, you know, flea market, that's going to bring lots of people, but not the right people. Um, But it was next to a great pizza parlor, still there, Roma's Pizza. If you haven't had it, it's the best pizza in town. It's the most unhealthy pizza in town. It just drips of grease, but it is great pizza. Um, About eight months into it, I decided, you know, this is not going well. I either need to open a second store so I can advertise more and go broke twice as fast, or just call it quits. But I opened the, ex- the, the second store, and at the same time, I had an account executive for KFPK Radio, who would eat pizza next door at the pizza parlor. I wasn't buying radio, couldn't afford radio, wasn't gonna do it, but we got to be friends. He was actually a drummer in the Ray Charles band, um, had taken a six month hiatus to sell radio because his buddy worked at the radio station. He actually went back and played with uh, Ray till he stopped touring. So, but he came in one day, and we're eating pizza and we're talking, he says, you know, I got this new guy at the station who needs a bed. Will you take care of him? I go, yes, I need every cell I can get because dad's about ready to be right and that's the last thing I want to happen. <laughs> so he brought the guy in and it happened to be Rush Limbaugh. Rush had just moved into town. he just had his first bomb threat and he needed a bed. <laughs> so Rush <laughs> came in and Rush talked me in to go in on the radio with him. He said... Let me go on the radio. My listeners will come in and buy beds from you. I go, I can't afford radio. We went back and forth and said, just let me do it. And I don't know how he talked me into it, because I did not have the money to do it. We were very strapped at that time. I didn't have the money to risk on doing it. But somehow he talked me into it. He went on the radio. People started coming in left and right saying, I want the bed rush sleeps on. I want the bed rush sleeps on. Does anybody know what the first thing I did was? Huh? Well, The first thing I did is I called Rush and said he and Michelle, which uh, I said you and Michelle, that's his second wife, um, you, you and Michelle need to come back in and you need to get the top of the line because they'll buy any bed you're sleeping on. <laughs> <laughs> so Rush came down, we, we got the best bed and that's it. From there we said, you know, he can't be the only one that could do this. So we tried the afternoon team on, and, on the news station and that worked. And then Paul and Phil had just started on, at that time it was KAER. Um, radio. They had just started, and we started them, and that took off. Since then, we've used hundreds of personalities up and down the coast. Because um, fortunately for me, it doesn't matter what your political beliefs are, it doesn't matter what your religious beliefs are, what your sexual preferences are, or anything. Everybody sleeps, and everybody needs a bed for me, right? So, <laughs> so we <laughs> we uh, can use anyone. Anyway, we've used anyone anyway from you know, Russ Limbaugh to Howard Stern to Al Franken, um, and everybody in between um, has done spots for us. And it's, it's worked very well. But let's go back to the beginning. Open the first store, open the second store. It started to do well. My family started to think that this is a great idea. We want to go in. We want to open a store. Can we go one with you? And going, well, sure, I don't have any more money. So sure, bring your money with you. Um, so we opened up a store. Everybody knows. What's the other rule? Don't do business with family. Don't do business with family and friends. No, <laughs> especially if it doesn't work. We thought, once again, the real estate guru that I am, we chose Natomas because it was, it was, this was in 1987. Natomas was booming. The overpass was going in in just a year. It took about nine years for it to go in, actually. But the overpass was going in. Um, we opened a store, failed miserably. My people were playing golf in the store all day long. They would literally putt from here to there. I'd go in there and go, there is a golf course in here. Guys, we're supposed to be selling mattresses. But we ended up closing that store. I went to my family, said, this is not working. I want to buy you out. Let's close this down. Let's uh, go forward. So we did that. It actually worked out great. No family, no disruption in our family. We all get along great. Um, Opened up the store, moved it over to um, the south area. We've moved our store three times in the south area. Finally found one that's good, although we'd probably be moving um, eventually um, into the new Florin Mall as they redo that. But uh, the store before that was a great store, as long as you don't mind the the mafia that met in the corner, the prostitutes that got arrested in front of the drug deals in the parking lot. So those were another real estate great uh, venture of mine. I'm glad I didn't go into that real estate end of it. (laughs) Anyway, we opened up that store. Got a right, store, right location that's there now. Opened up the How About Arden store. Nobody had done, and is everybody know where our How About Arden store is? It's upstairs. Everybody said I was crazy to open a store, a mattress store, upstairs. It's, you know, real, retail is done on the, uh, Main Street. It's done on the streets, not done upstairs. What they didn't know was that the landlord was making a great deal for me. Basically, I had a one-year bailout. I could bail out in a year, and he gave me 10 months free rent. So I figured if I can't make it work with two months rent for a whole year, I'm out, and what, what do I have to lose? Open it up. Up until two years ago, it was the number one store in our chain, doing six million dollars a year in business at uh, that one location. Um, since then, our Santa Rosa store and a couple other stores have, have beat it. So um, went from there, decided this is working. We can expand this. We can move to um, other areas. Let's let's try Modesto. That's our first one. We tried Modesto, it worked. Hey, we can really make this work. We set out to put a plan together to how do we grow our business? What do we need to do? Well, first we looked at our inventory and said, oh, well, we're growing in inventory over here of distressed inventory. The scratch and dent, um, the damaged inventory is growing. Had $100,000 in inventory sitting there that I couldn't do anything with that I needed the cash from. So, thought about it and opened Boxcar Bedding. Boxcar Bedding, I decided, would be an offtake of Sleep Train with the box car, box car giving you the impression of it being a lower price and so forth, which it was, and it was our clearance store. We opened that in 93 and put our plan together, a five-year plan, to expand into other markets. The plan included financing, programs, um, all the management tools as far as the documentation of our computer system, documentation of our policies, all that kind of stuff. Did that, started put our plan together and was rolling right along, and in 1995, Smith's Home Furnishing filed bankruptcy. Smith's Home Furnishing was the Largest, sleep sh- uh, r- largest furniture retailer in the Pacific Northwest, and in particular in the Portland, Oregon market, had 50% of the mattress business was done out of this store, and they went bankrupt. Well, that time, Bruners had gone bankrupt, Macy's had gone bankrupt, Levitt's had gone bankrupt. Everybody had gone bankrupt, it seemed, but they all came out of it. So, but we started listening to the vendors, and then said they're not coming out of it. So we looked at it, and sure enough, the next in August they filed bankruptcy, and they weren't going to come out of it. We went up in 96 and opened up stores in Portland, Oregon. But when we did that, I was very conservative. I was scared about this expansion. So we only opened four stores when we first opened. What that did is it gave the opportunity for my competitors to open up, the, the local competitors opened more stores, and more importantly, my biggest competitor came down from Seattle, which was Sleep Country USA, came down and they opened 10 stores. We slowly tried to get, catch up to them. And he said, OK, we're, we're not catching up to him on stores here. Let's go open up stores in their market. So we're going to go right to the heart of our competitor. So we went up, but we went to Seattle in 97. We opened up 14 stores immediately um, and took the market um, by storm. And all of a sudden, he's fighting us on both battles. It helped um, really to help grow our business and um, take us to the next level. We also got the attention of the industry. The industry had looked at it and decided this industry was going to go vertical. The manufacturers thought that this is the time for them to take the whole business, and go vertical. So they started buying up retail stores, and they approached us, of course. And we looked at it and said, "You know, I was I looked at it and said, "Okay, that's a lot of money. When I was offered, I had two different people running, started to go down the road with one of them, said, "You know, I just can't pass this up. we got to do it." But I wasn't sleeping well at night. When you're a mattress guy, you should sleep well every night, right? (laughs) I was not sleeping well at night. And my wife looked at me and said, why are you doing this? I go, because it's millions and millions of dollars. She says, so? We do everything we want to do now, right? Yeah. We have a five-year-old and a two-year-old at the time. Yeah. Not like we can travel the world. No. Um, Your friends can't come play with you. They're working. Yeah. Uh, You suck at golf. And you don't fish. What are you going to do with your life? and you're not coming home. So so I didn't, you know, I looked at it and said, good point, okay, Uh, I like what, I realized what it was, I realized I liked what I was doing. I loved the people I was working with. I loved every part of what we were doing and I knew we could do better, I knew we could grow this business bigger and better. And so I called him up and said, I'm sorry, I know we've gone down this road, I'd love to um, make this deal, but I can't. We need to back out of this. He said, let me fly out, we'll take the red eye, He was coming out from New York. I said, OK, I owe you that. Come out. I left the house the next morning. Turned to my wife said, are you sure? This is millions and millions of dollars. And she said, we're sure. So I left and went down and talked to him and said, OK, not going to do it. I apologize. Appreciate everything. He says, how about your Northwest stores? I want to buy your Northwest stores. I go, well, I don't want to sell my Northwest stores. I like my Northwest stores. I like it up there. He slid the proverbial paper across the, the table. And I said, well, I don't like them that much. <laughs> now, in all honesty, I, I looked at it and said, 75% of my business in California, 25% was in the Northwest. We had grown so rapidly. In '96, we'd opened Portland. '98, '97. Oh, I forgot one. '97, we would opened Seattle. '98, we'd opened on San Francisco Bay Area. we opened the Bay Area. We opened up with 21 stores um, immediately out of there. So this was '99. By the time there were so many band-aids on our systems. I said, you know, if we take that money and we invest in our people, we invest in our programs, we can become a far better company. So we, we sold the Northwest stores um, to, Sleep Country U- or to the same buyer. The other part was they were buying Sleep Country USA, our biggest competitor. And I looked at it and said, so if they do buy our biggest competitor and we have to compete against them, that's going to be an issue too because they got lots of money now and they'll be able to go at us a lot stronger. So they bought us and they bought Sleep Country USA. We came back into Sacramento or into California and invested in our people. We invested in our programs, our training. We opened training departments, um, built a training program, invested in the systems that we had, invested in every internal part of our company and, and promised ourselves that we would not do anything for two years. Two years later, we decided, you know, it's time to look again. Weather's good. Let's go down to San Diego. Nothing's going to be available. Nothing's ever available in San Diego. But weather's good. Let's go to San Diego. Flew to San Diego. And for the first time ever of me looking at San Diego real estate, there was a hole. We could open up seven stores to ten stores within a three-month period if we went right now. So we put our plan together. We said we're doing it. So we went down opened up San Diego. Um, That was in 2002. In 2003... Um, the CEO for Mattress Discounters mattress dis, um, called me. Mattress Discounters was the largest sleep shop in the nation at the time. But they had been having financial troubles. He called me and said, you've heard we've had some financial troubles? I go, yeah. Sorry about that. He, they were a competitor, too. Um, and I said, I've, I've heard that. And he says, well, I'd love to sell you my Detroit stores, or my Florida stores, or my Chicago stores, but I don't think you'll buy those. I you know, no. They're all losing a lot of money and not going to do that. Says, But how about San Diego? I'm making money in San Diego. You're growing in San Diego. We've got great locations. You need our locations. Buy my San Diego stores. I looked at it and said, yeah, that works. We'll buy your San Diego stores. We'll convert them all to Sleep Train. This will be great because they had great great real estate, great locations. Um, He went to his uh, bankers. God bless the bank. Um, Went to his bankers. And the banker said, that's great. Sell them. We get all the money. And he said, okay, so you want me to sell something that is cash positive for me and give you all the money. That's not going to really work for me to try to get out of my troubles. So he came back to me and said, that's not going to work. How about you buy all my California stores? You know, first of all, I don't want L.A. Because L.A.'s a nightmare, don't want to do it. So they said, okay, you don't have to take L.A. And you don't have to take my plant. So they have a manufacturing plant. I said, okay, good, don't want your plant. I looked at it and I said... Well, I have stores in Northern California. They're great locations. I don't need those. But then I went home that night, and I thought about it. I looked at my parents and how they they were as consumers. They were two opposite consumers. My mom wants quality products, great prices, and she wants to be taken care of with the best service possible. She wants to be treated with, with respect for the money she's spending. My dad, he wanted a deal. Every piece of furniture in my dad's house was bought at a bargain, discount, clearance, closeout place, but it was quality stuff. But he wanted that deal. If I didn't own Sleep Train, he would never have bought from Sleep Train. He would buy from mattress discounters because he wanted the discounter. So I looked and I said, "There's two types of customers out there, and I can't be everything for everyone." So we said, "If we buy this, we can help service our customers better. We can service the customer, the Sleep Train customer, with the quality products and service that they want." as well as go out to the factories and get all the bargains and the discounts and the clearance product to make mattress discounters work. So we bought um, the mattress discounters chain and that was my first introduction to culture and the joy of how culture works when you merge two companies together. I had looked at it and said that mattress discounters culture was um, straight line. You don't go outside the box. You answer the person right above you. You don't talk to anybody outside of that. And it's right there, and it's very regimented. We're an employee-based company. We, we love our employees. Everybody has to say it's an open-door policy. You can talk to anybody in the company anytime. All the ideas are important. We have retreats and all these events to bring people together to get the ideas from all of our people. They don't do that. They'll love coming to our company. Well, they love that part. The part they didn't like was the part that I, I also have a, this accountability issue, that I kind of want the money in the bank when you make the deposit, you know, at the end of the night, go to the bank, deposit it. Two, three days, the bank tends to not like it when it's two, three days later, it it shows up. And sometimes it didn't show up. You know, that was a problem for me. Or how about opening the store? You know, well, I didn't get up or, you know, it's too hard. We open at 10 o'clock in the morning. It's not like they have to get up at four. You know, you have to be there at 10. Open the store so the customer can come in. So we had some issues with the cultural clash of uh, the two different styles. Um, and there were those that were able to come into the fold, and there were those that uh, we all needed to part ways, either by their choice or by our choice. Um, but we did a, a big job of trying to make it work for everybody. Um, the next step went from there with Match Discounts. We finally got it turned around. It was doing well. Then we looked around and we said, okay, what do we want to do now? Because as my mom says, when things are going great, things are just going smooth and soft and everything's perfect and you're making money, I can't leave it alone, I have to stir the pot. I get bored, it's just boring, let's go do something. Let's buy Sleep Country back, because we want it. <laughs> so we, we went to the factories. The factory, what had happened was Sleep Country, the parent company of Sleep Country, which was Fenway Partners, had, when they exited out of the Simmons company, Simmons bought the, the company from them. So Simmons, the manufacturer, now had a retailer that they thought would be better suited in a retailer's hands than a manufacturer's hands. So it was perfect timing for them and for us to put a partnership together for us to buy um, Sleep Country USA and take the retailing back to the retailer and let the manufacturer manufacture. So we went up, we made a deal um, with Sleep Country USA to buy back not only our old stores, but all the stores that um, went along with that, with, with Sleep Country that they bought from there. Um, bringing us to the total today of 224 stores, I think. Um, and we'll finish, I think we finished last year at just under $350 million in, in sales. So that's, a, that's the condensed story um, of here. So now it's, it's your guys' time. I want to answer questions. The question was, what have I seen over the 20-plus years of the, the growth of... The Gen X, Gen Ys, and the different um, employee base, um, so to speak, it has changed definitely. The wants and wishes of um, the would-be employees are changing. Fortunately for us, it fits perfectly in our direction, being the consumer the customer-friendly um, corp- company that we are, and the the employee-based company that we are. As far as we we have our retreats that we, we build all of our new ideas out of what comes from our employees. So as our employees have changed, our policies, our procedures, and everything have changed to, to address the different issues that they're looking for. And it, it is different. It's not just, you're not just working to make money. You're working. There's other issues that are more important to, um, to our staff. The, the fact that we interact and we have the social activities and we do the other stuff is very important. You talk to our people, they say it is the greatest company to work for from that standpoint. They, have some, they meet and make some of their best long-term friends out of our company because, one, you work with them so long, but also because of the way we blend um, our, our business with our activities because we do believe that there's more to work than just um, working and getting a paycheck. I tell each and every one of them that if you're not having fun, and something's wrong, I either need to know i need to know about it so I can change it, or we need to figure out how we can make you have fun. Because this is what, you can't just, in today's world, just making money, doing the grind, going in, making money, going home, paying the bills, going home, then that just doesn't work anymore. And nobody should have to work that way.
2: Hi, I actually have three questions, but two are quick. <laughs> OK. <laughs> what kind of mattress do you sleep on? You knew that was coming. I knew, knew that was coming, yeah. <laughs> I know you knew that was coming. Um, are you really supposed to get a new one every 10 years? Seven. Seven.
0: <laughs> Actually, in my world, I'd hope it'd be three. <laughs> but
2: <laughs> And it's not an industry. I, underst- I I didn't do a lot of research on this before I came. So I- is it overseas yet? What's good, good What's questions. the spectrum on that, that eventual movement? I mean, in my sure. mind, everything goes overseas. So right. I'm hearing Simmons, so I'm thinking domestically manufactured. There's right. always... Georgia and all the textiles. Um, yeah, I'm somewhat familiar with that. So, just okay. where's that going? Thank you. Um, so, first
0: question: the bed I sleep on is the uh, Simmons Beautyrest Black line. It's the Simmons Beautyrest top of the line. Um, you know, we've, we're fortunate that we're the only retailer in the Western states where you can buy find on our floor the, the Sleep Number bed by Select Comfort, which is the air bed, the Tempur-Pedic, which is the uh, memory foam. The city the Simmons Beautyrest, all on one floor, so you don't have to go from store to store. Because you can imagine, if you go lay down on a bed in one store, and then you go across town to you know another store and lay down, can you remember what they feel like? I can. I'd venture to guess that most of you can't remember going across the aisle to the one on the other side of our store um, because it just it changes. So we have all the different ones, and each one is different. I would say, out of pretty much everybody in this room would probably choose a different bed. It is amazing the differences, which is why we have so many different ones to choose from. Because your backs, your sides, how you sleep, what your ailments are, are all different from each other. And so having the different options is what's important. So I sleep on that. Our VP of sales sleeps on the sleep number bed, swears it's the best bed he's ever slept on, would never sleep on anything else in his life. Uh, my aunt sleeps on um, the, the tempur one, I think it is, and she swears by it. You know, So everybody has their own preference on that. So, so that was one. What was the. The three is the big one um, the big the, the big one, uh, as far as the time like, yes, it is seven to ten years is a time on mattresses, and the reason it, are they dead? no, can you still sleep on it? yeah, people do i mean we 've had beds that are forty years old turned in, um, so the problem is that they, they lose their support characteristics, so you don 't recognize it as much, and that 's why people who travel tend to buy meds more often because they do recognize it. One of the best things that's happened to our industry is the the hotel industry has figured out. They're selling sleep. They're not selling anything else. So they started upgrading all their mattresses, and everybody goes away on vacation. Now they're coming home saying, "I need a new bed because this bed is terrible." Um, so, but th- so that's the time frame of seven to ten years um, is typical on that. Um, and these years, these times, there's a lot of changes too. Um, if you haven't bought one in the last two years, there's a new fire retardancy code that went in place that required that the beds be more fire retardant. Not you know, and really, it's not for the incidence of the gin and tonic and the cigarette in bed. It's really, it's really about the, um, if there is a fire in your house, the mattress not burning itself does allow the fire department to take more time to, you know, have more time before it explodes to get it under control. So that just happened to, actually nationally it happened last year, happened in California two years ago. Um, as far as overseas, one of the, I was uh, sharing with Gary the other day, one of the great things about our um, business is that we're not threatened by a lot of the other things out there so far? Knock on wood. <laughs> and um, realistically, matches is There are some imports. The Chinese are doing a really good job of trying to import. The problem, the inherent problem we have, is the size and bulk of what's being imported, and what's being what you know what the processes are. It's not heavily intensive, so the size and bulk make it difficult on the cost of shipping. On top of that is that you are laying your head right next to it. If anybody bought any import clothes or anything like that, it has that smell, right? That smell because it's been on the on the water for so long. When you're laying your head against it, you don't want to be smelling that import smell constantly. So that's another issue with it. The other issue is this fire retardant law. You can't get, the compliance is so restrictive and so incredibly, um, bureaucratic, <laughs> I would say, that for the, the Chinese right now under their current um, way of doing things can't comply with it. So it is, it's a difficult product to point, import and we're, we're not looking at that being as big of an issue. Um, the other thing is, is the internet. It's not an internet product friendly primarily because you need to test it and try it out. Like I said, everybody has a different feel and a different bed that they would choose. Well, if you buy it over the internet, you don't know what it feels like. And to ship it back is expensive. So it's really a touch and feel product. So it has to be there. We're also not, um, we're more recession proof than other home furnishings. The home furnishing industry as a whole, um, everybody likes to clump into one big group. But the mattress business is not. Because it's a necessity product. You need to sleep. You need a good bed. You're going to buy it. It's not a designer product. It's not a fashion product. It's not you know, the couch or the dining room or something like that. It's something that you can put off because you got a couch that works and you got a, um, a dining room set. It is a product that you need because you don't just wake up one morning and go, let's go buy a mattress. You go buy a mattress because you need one because the one you're sleeping on doesn't work anymore or you're moving into a new place or you unfortunately split up. You know, there's a, there's a need for that bed or your kids are growing. The kids are a great part of our business. We love kids. Everybody have more kids. You know, <laughs> so uh, you know. You you're saying about how many beds can be. When I started the business, my mom said, "How do you possibly make a living selling mattresses? I mean, doesn't everybody have a bed?" I think that's what said. She she still doesn't understand how good. <laughs> she says, "Because I had." She says, "Well, we've had ours for twenty five years." I like, go, oh, "Yeah, mom, you're not our customer, really." <laughs> but um, it was really about. If you look around, you see all the houses, and every house has a, on average, three sleeping rooms. Right? So there's three sleeping rooms, and everyone needs a bed. Then you go through the cycle. The kid comes out of the the, um, crib. Thank you. Couldn't think of the term. (laughs) Fortunately, it weighs from that time. Uh, Out of the crib into the first bed. Then about eight or nine, they need another bed. Then the teenage years hit. And if it's a tall, tall kid, they need another one because they're too long. And then they move out. They either take the bed with them, which means mom and dad have to replace it, or you need to get them one. So there's this constant. And then there's a little coast. Until they get married, then they get another one. And then they make some money, they get a better one. And then they coast for a little bit. And then they get another one. And it goes on and on. So there is a, a good cycle. And it's constantly repeating. and We love it about our business. Barry. Okay, you're doing well. Are you bored? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. um, I'm still, we're still processing the, Sleep Country was very similar in culture to us. They really had a lot of the same philosophies, same belief. They operate on the same concepts that we do. And so we're bringing that together, but right now we're transitioning. One of the lessons I learned was, and I admit this is a a failure on my part, I thought that the um, big corporate world of when you make an acquisition, you come in, you get rid of top management, and you, you change things was a horrible way to go and shouldn't do it. I learned that there is, it is still a horrible thing to do, but there is a reason for part of it. And that is cultural in control. We had a conflict with our senior manager up there. What I had done is bought the company thinking that I could let them just run it, they'd run it, everything would be great, and we'd all be happy. Problem was they wanted to run it but not necessarily give me all the information I wanted or they had different, we had different views on different things. And so we had some difference of opinion being that I owned it. So I thought that maybe my opinion counted a little more when it came to the direction of the company. So we had to process through that, and we've just done through the transition of going that. So we're still processing up here, so I'm still keeping busy, too busy, according to my wife. So um, she would not accept anything else right now.
1: First, um, I just wanted to thank you for being here tonight. It's really interesting to hear about your journey um, in this business. And I was wondering, are there recycling programs for all of these mattresses that people um, are getting rid of after 10 years? And... Um, great you know, I'm assuming the 4500 that you're donating, those have to be new mattresses new. because nonprofits and charities won't accept used. So, and my second question is, do you have customers coming in that are requesting mattresses that are made with environmentally sustainable materials at all? Good
0: question. Um, the recycling issue is a big one. We have always, we part of our program is we take away the old beds for free. Part of that is so that we can control the recycling and make sure they do get recycled. It's 60 I think it's $65 now to take a mattress to the dump. Two things wrong. One, that's a lot of money. Two, it's huge space use of the dumps. So um, not a good thing um, to happen. We give them to a recycler. They tear them apart. The products that are usable, they reuse. Those that aren't, they, they get rid of. There is a move, and I'm going to a meeting in February, actually, to try as an industry to take it one step further and fully... Um, shred and um, break down the whole product um, in order to reduce the space and the quantity of, of product that's out there because it is, there's a lot of, it, it, you see them on the side of the road, that's why you see them on the side of the road because 65 ducks to drop it off at the dump. Um, but so there's an issue there. Um, as far as green products, there is. They're, the factories are working on they actually are working on different aspects. Not getting a lot of push from the consumer yet. They're not coming in asking for that. You know, There's here and there but not on a huge, huge level. But the factories are ahead of that game and they're trying to get there as well. We've got some leaders in the industry right now that are really pushing to take the whole industry um, greener.
2: So with all your experience now, if you were to look back and think and had to go choose another industry to operate in, what would be maybe three to five characteristics you would look for uh, that would mimic the success you've had in the mattress space?
0: Um, The one profit margins. We're fortunate to be in a business that has a decent profit margin. We're not in electronics. Um, profit margins, the um, the issues that I talked about as far as is it an internet product? If you're gonna do the internet, you gotta know the internet, you gotta do the internet. But if it's you can't be halfway, if it's a product to be sold on the internet, you're gonna get crushed in the end. So you've got to be able to get that under control. Either know the platform you're gonna do. Our plan for the internet is to Really sell off, you know, the the sheets, the stuff that isn't a touch and feel product on the internet, um, as well as the in- import. You know, are you? What is that role that's going to play on that? And then the people. You know, can you find people that are, are talented in the area you're selling? You know, we look for great, energetic people um, to come work for us, and that's the same thing I'd want. I'd want something that I can involve people because when you bring all these minds together, it's amazing. What you can come up with so you know that would be number one thing for me would be people can i find a, a industry that people are important and that people can make a difference in how you succeed
1: your delivery system is absolutely amazing you can go in the store you can pick out a bed you can sleep on it tonight how do you possibly make that happen in terms of inventory
0: um we stock uh, well that's i started that from the beginning i mean my first my same day delivery when I started consisted of me handing the keys to my truck to the customer and they could take the bed home. <laughs> Until my insurance company and lawyers found out and said that, you know, you just can't do that. So, um, but my philosophy at the beginning was to stock the inventory. Because when I got into the industry, it was four to six weeks to get a bed delivered. You'd go to Macy's, you'd buy a bed. Six, eight weeks later, actually, at Macy's, they would deliver you a product. Um, I thought that was ridiculous because I looked around and I said, for the same reason I said earlier, that... You don't just go, hey, let's go buy a bed. You're buying a bed because you need it. And I kinda, a lot of the things that we've done are, are, of our policies that I take with all of our people are how we want to be treated. And when I look at my wife says I'm poor on delayed gratification. She says, that when, I, when you want something, you want it now. I go, yeah, doesn't everybody? I mean, that's the way I am. I think everybody should be that way. And I thought that's the same with mattresses. As far as a system, it's an expensive system. It's also one of the trademarks that keep our competitors away from us. Um, because they can't duplicate it. It's, it's too difficult of a system to do, and we've got it down. So it's one of those um, little milestones in our company that help us be successful. We basically have what we call our executive leadership team, which is 18 people. Right now that cover all the different areas of the company from sales, training, IT, uh, marketing, um, finance, all the different areas of the company. From there, that's on the corporate end of it. And then from there, we have um, the store, from the store side, we have a general manager, we have a uh, division, or district manager, and then a store manager. So it kind of goes straight line down there. And the district manager has about eight to 10 different stores that they um, oversee. So not truly flat, but we try to keep as much of it out and keep the, the focus on where somebody can actually make a difference. Um, In the Northwest, in our changeover in the Northwest, we went from having an executive team up there to putting more frontline people, frontline managers out there, more district managers, more training managers in place, um, where they're actually touching and feeling and making a difference with uh, the staff.
1: Wow, very exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Makes you want to go out and start something. (laughs) Thank you so (laughs) much, Dale, for uh, speaking. This is great. 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 We have a little something.
2: Thank you. Oh, thank, thank you, you so thank you. much. Um,
1: I, I, this, is a, this is just a wonderful example of uh, how our business partners program bring, brings talent like Dale to inspire us and to, to uh, share ideas. This is absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. Be safe out there. It is wet, it is slick, it is dark. So um, Be thanks careful. for coming. <laughs> thank <Yeah>. you. <laughs> thank you, everyone. Appreciate it.
0: You've been listening to a podcast from University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at www.uctv.tv. Thank you for listening.